following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. We're concluding today this little section of the Gospel of John that we've been looking at for the past few weeks. And it has been really nice for me, I don't know about for you, but it's really nice for me just to, to live in these verses, in these scriptures. And I've enjoyed it a lot. I want to start today by asking you a question that will have a very personalized answer that will be unique and different for each one of you. And I want you to answer it, not aloud, but I'd like you to answer it for yourself. You could, if you choose, you could write it down on a piece of paper if you have it. Um, if it's something you'd like to share with us, you can put it on an info card. But at the very least, I'd like you to write it down in your mind, if you would be so kind as to do that. And what I mean by that is really acknowledge the answer to this question. Maybe visualize it in your own handwriting, even if you're not going to write it down. And the question is this, how are you spiritually hungry today? In what ways are you hungering in your soul today? You don't have to think of a bunch of things. You could think of one, but it might be that you have more than one. Are you writing that down in your mind or actually on a real piece of paper? Today's passage from the Gospel of John is a dense and a little bit strange passage. And at least to me, it didn't immediately make sense. And so I'm going to try to help you understand this passage by guiding you through a process that I go through when I encounter a, a difficult passage. And in fact, it's a, it's a process that I went through with this passage this past week. And uh, I will share with you the results, my personal results to that process, but after we've done this exercise. And the reason that I like to do this kind of thing is because I really, really see it as my job to equip you in your faith. Um, it is sometimes my job to teach you and help you understand specific things, but I would consider my job well done if, if, you, were, if you benefited from being a, in this place and hearing me talk once a week, not by knowing more things and being able to fill in more blanks, but by being able to have the tools to, to know them and fill them in uh, yourselves. And... Um, so I guess what I'll do first is read this passage to you. It's pretty brief, and then we're going to read it some more times. But I, before we jump into the exercise, I want you just to hear these words. So this is John 4. If you'd like to follow along, today might be a good day for those of you who are visual learners to have the Bible open in front of you. Um, and if you remember what we've been talking about, it's been the story of the woman at the well. And this is a little passage that's stuck in the middle of two passages that make up the story we looked at last week. Um, but really, you don't have to know anything of what happened in the previous weeks to, to jump into this passage. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. 
The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. So, it's a little bit of a strange passage. Did, it, did anybody immediately understand everything about that on one reading? Oh, shut up. <laughs> Bible nerd. Um, I didn't on first reading. Totally grasped everything in that. Uh, sorry. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to take you through this, this exercise because I, there, there are different layers of meaning in the Bible. Okay, so obviously there's an academic understanding that we could have of this passage if we studied the language and so forth. Um, there's a, a primary meaning that the author intended in this story and that Jesus intended in, in the words that he used when speaking with his disciples. I think there is also a spiritual meaning that comes much later in time, that is today, and that might be somewhat special to you. I wouldn't use the word unique necessarily because maybe others have had the same uh, experience with the text, but it's a spiritual meaning that is for you. And the process that I'm going to guide you through is specifically targeted and concerned with that spiritual meaning for you. Um, and so there's a slight word of caution that I will give you with this kind of thing. Always, you might want to check yourself. Um, and whenever I say that phrase, I can't help but say, before you wreck yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I guess in this sense, the way you would wreck yourself is by coming up with something that is uh, truly original and not in concert with the traditional uh, bounds of what has been believed and taught about this text. <laughs> so we don't exist in a vacuum. The Spirit speaks to you and gives you um, special experience with the text, and that is ideal. We love to see that happen. But the Spirit is not going to give you something that is in direct contradiction to what he has given Christians for 2,000 years now. Does that make sense? So there's a little check with this kind of thing. You have to be a little careful. Um, that being said, it's an incredibly valuable way to approach Scripture because it is personal to you. And most importantly, hear this. This is why I do this kind of thing. Because traditional Bible study uh, teaches you how to master the Bible. You, you control it and tame it and rein it in and master it and make it yours. Conquer it, if you will. This kind of approach to the Bible, this sacred reading that we're about to do, inverts that and, and puts you under the text. It makes the text your master. It makes the word of God master you. It makes you serve him. Um, we're trusting that the Spirit will be present in that. Now, um, this is one of those things that, that requires periods of relative silence. And, um, you know, as I've said the past few weeks, we have no doors in here and we're not going to get complete silence. That's okay. Let's just say right now, it's okay. Sacred reading, and I'm, I'm going to use um, very common English words for this rather than the traditional Latin words. Sacred reading is a four-stage reading. Some of you are familiar with this already. I like to do this two or three times a year. If you've been around, you've certainly done this before. The four stages of reading, um, I will describe this way. Read, think, pray, 
and relax. And what we, the way we're going to approach this is I'm going to read this text to you four times, and you're going to focus on each of these stages in turn. The more traditional way to do this type of prayer would be to allow periods of time in which you repeatedly read the text and focus on these different phases. But we don't have enough time to do it quite like that, especially since I would like to share with you after we're done what my personal experience was with this text in hopes that it might be useful to you. Um, And so read, think, pray, and relax, and I will explain each stage before it happens. So I'll be your little tour guide on this. But to prepare yourselves, I would like to ask you to put yourself into a, a position that is attentive but comfortable, whatever that might be for you. I know that varies from person to person. And I'd like to repeat a couple of the verses that we heard this morning at our call to worship from Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. And I hope that your soul is waiting for the Lord. Um, I'd like you to uh, imagine yourself in darkness, outdoors, um, perhaps in a forest clearing. It is nighttime, and the morning is not yet here. And as I read this passage, this is simply reading, stage one. You're just grasping the passage for whatever meaning you can get from it. You're understanding what's going on in the text, and most importantly, you're looking for or listening for words or phrases that might stand out to you. I often use the, the expression that a word might glow on the page a little bit. It might ring in your ear a little bit. Uh, that is uh, very often the Spirit showing you where you need to go for this text. So stage one is reading, and you are in darkness. Look for the words that glow. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Hopefully, you begin to become more familiar with that text as you've heard it a second time. And I wonder if, if anybody would like to share aloud the word or phrase that, that stood out to you. And it's okay if you don't know why. That's sort of the point. That's how it works. The fields are ripe for harvesting. Okay, good phrase. Labor. Rabbi, interesting. 
So just in those three responses, you can see already that we are about to have a, a, a whole range of different experiences with this text this morning. It's one of the beautiful things about this kind of sacred reading. In that dark clearing between the trees, I'd like you to imagine now that, that the blackness of the sky is starting to turn gray. Dawn is not yet here, but it is approaching. And you wait for the Lord. Your soul waits, and in his word you hope. Your soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. More than those who watch for the morning. Stage two of our reading is think. Classically, this would be considered meditation. And so I'm going to read it again, and you can think about the passage. Try to begin to imagine how these words might apply to your life, especially thinking on those words that stood out to you, phrase, if you have them. And if you didn't, it might be in this stage of the reading that you begin to hone in on one or two words or phrases. I would like you to ruminate on this text as we read it. And uh, if you know what the word ruminate means, it, it means to chew over, to turn over in your mouth. Uh, a cow is classified biologically as a ruminant <laughs> because it chews a cud. And that is exactly the image that classical Christians have used to describe this stage of this type of reading. You are turning it over and trying to, to experience it from different angles and feel it. So as the, the dark sky turns gray, you are meditating, thinking on these words for our second reading. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Take a moment to continue thinking about this passage. Um, before we move on to the next stage, I wonder, and this requires a little bit more bravery, does anybody like to, would anybody like to share your thinking, your meditating experience, some little application that occurred in your mind during that reading? Figurative. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to complete this work. 
And, uh, you know, especially in a time when we've been feeling very dry and uh, food or sustenance is something that and energy is something we're really concerned about. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you look at it and say, well, it's easy to say, well, Jesus is just being figurative. But then Jesus went for 40 days and 40 nights, or 40 days in the in the wilderness with no food or water. And there's no way that could have been anything but supernatural because he would have died without water after three days. This isn't just figure. Now, he, he was drawing literal sustenance from doing what his father wanted him to do. So Ken is... Um has done the hard work of meditating and thinking and turning this passage over and is, is pondering back and forth the, the distinction between the, the figurative and the literal. It's a very interesting rumination. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Did you want to share as well, Brenda? Well, I, I was thinking more of the, the reaper and the sower hmm. because um, I, I, I don't know. It was, to me, it was... I don't think a lot of people look at what Christ was doing besides the disciples. He Hmm. was already on another chart, having his already, he had already planted other people who were also, in a sense, disciples. Hmm. And Hmm. so he was already gathering his harvest of people that were already not Jews in the, in the text of the word, sure. but uh, or people of the culture. But he had already had his other disciples. I mean, the lady from the, at lit, the lady at the well. Yeah. She right. was in a sense a disciple. She was already sped, spreading what he was trying to teach his disciples to do. So he was gathering that he had already started gathering the fruit. So Brenda is struck by this sowing and reaping image and, and the fact that Jesus' work was beyond just the disciples who are present in this moment, um, the Samaritan woman and her friends and so forth, and, and his, his work going beyond what we see in this passage and well beyond what the disciples themselves saw in that moment. You see how... Ken and Brenda, and I know it's true for all of you, have had very different experiences with this text so far. I really am praying that, that each of you has, has a, uh, an important and significant experience with the text that may differ from, from those uh, that are happening next to you. So the third stage um, is prayer. We're going to pray this text. And if you're imagining yourself in that clearing where the sky has started to turn gray, now you are seeing shafts of light peek through the trees. And what I'd like you to do is move into that light, if you will. Again, remembering Psalm 130. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. More than those who watch for the morning. And prayer is both listening for God's voice and talking to God. Asking God... The questions that you have come up with, as you've read this text twice now, is okay. That is prayer. But it's also okay to stop and listen. We actually need to work on listening prayer a lot as 
American Christians, I think. So maybe moving into those shafts of light is, is a chance for you to, to receive something from God, to, to allow him to speak to you directly. Whether it's one or the other or both of those types of prayer, that is your goal during this third reading. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, Look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Continue that moment of prayer in the text. This requires yet another measure of bravery. But very often when we do this, somebody is willing to share what their prayer was, whether it was a spoken prayer to God or whether it was them sensing God speaking to them. Does anybody like to share that today? Dan. I was struck by the recurring theme of the passage of God's word is bigger than any of us and complete in all of us. So I'm just praying to understand my place in that work hmm. and what this will look like to pick up and hand off to the next person. It's a beautiful prayer. Understanding that God's work is bigger than all of us and complete in all of us, and so we have to, to determine, and Dan is saying, he wants to determine what his part is in that, where those boundaries are, what he should be doing, and what he should be calling others to do, and Yes, a wonderful, lovely prayer. Thank you for sharing that. You may have had a prayer from a completely different part of the passage. Uh, did you want to share yours, Joanna? Mine was basically about the part where he was saying, you know, I always do the will of the and um, I applied that to my life. And basically, I heard God say that, you know, raising a daughter, you know, well is the most important thing that you know because she I get the opportunity to shape my life. Um, and I've really been struggling really with like idolizing a career and profession. Um, and trying to make myself worthy in society and God just like slapped me and said, No, you're worthy because you're raising one of my children. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, Joanna said she had focused on the part about um, Jesus saying, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And that she's sensing that God is telling her that her work that he sent her to do is uh, to raise her daughter, um, and specifically maybe not to, to be pursuing work um, that, that would give a sense of value in other ways, that the value comes from that work. Yeah. 
Now, of course, it would be folly for every mother in the room to hear that and say, well, that must be the word that God wants to give me, too, which is the beauty of this kind of reading that really allows you to, to, to experience the text and allow it to speak to you and uh, allow God to, to lead you and to be your master, as I, as I said before. Well, these three stages can be hard work, especially if you haven't done this before. It's, it's maybe challenging to you. The last stage is to relax, <laughs> which for some of us is the hardest of work, but for, for others maybe this, this will be a relief to you. And if we're going to go with our clearing uh, in the woods metaphor, the sun has now risen and is bathing the clearing in light and warmth, and your job now is to sit under a tree or lay back in the grass and bask in the light. Uh, the light of Christ is here to warm you and nourish your souls. Morning has broken. Your soul has waited for the Lord, and um, my prayer is that he has met you this morning. And so in this relaxation phase, we, we contemplate the experience that we've had with the text so far as we read it the last time. We, we consciously make effort not to think hard about it anymore. We are done with that. We don't have any other prayer except to thank God for the moment that we've experienced and to trust him, even in the, the questions that may have arisen. And so let's read this together last, one last time for relaxing contemplating. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Relax in that text just for another minute. Amen. Well, the Word of God is such a deep and powerful stream of grace to us. And there are so many different ways to experience it. I hope that this has been a, a, a special way for you. This is something that you can do in your own house. In fact, I encourage you to do this. Did you notice that this is reading the Bible and it's praying at the same time? So if you're one of those people who's obsessed with checking off things that you do for God, um, don't. But <laughs> this is two check, check marks in one exercise. Um, but in, in all seriousness, it, it's two, two spiritual disciplines at least at once. I promised you that I would 
I would share with you my experience with this text, which is my experience. Again, it's not everybody's. But in that first stage, which the fancy Latin term is lectio, it simply means read, the words that stood out to me were, were the words reaper, <laughs> which is not a word that we use very often. Maybe that's why it stood out. And the phrase rejoice together, and lastly, the, the, the observation Jesus makes, you did not labor. Those things stood out to me. And in the thinking stage, which is classically termed meditatio, I began to see that Jesus is the sower in this story. Um, at least that's how I took it to be. His disciples, and that would include me, have been tasked with the job of reaping, sowing and reaping, just planting and harvesting. Jesus has planted seeds all around me, and it's, it's my job to, to harvest the crop in some sense. And as I focused on the phrase rejoice together, I realized that I didn't do the labor, which is what the other phrase was, but also that I, I have the privilege of rejoicing with the one who did as the harvest comes. And so when I moved to praying about it, Latin nerds may want to know that this word is oratio, I asked God that, uh, about Jesus and his statement that he had food that we do not know of, that his disciples don't know of. I, I wondered, is that food special to him because he's Jesus, or is that a food that, that, that I can have too? And then as I listened for God's voice, I, I saw two phrases. One of them was, look around you. And I didn't just pull that out of thin air. That was in the text. And a repetition of the phrase, you did not labor. And the, the, the message that I took from that, which is not in the text exactly this way, but for me, the message I think was God saying, are you hungry? Get to work. <laughs> that there's a connection between the sustenance, spiritual sustenance that, that one might need and the work that one might be doing or not doing. <laughs> That perhaps for me, my spiritual hunger comes from the fact that I'm not doing the work that, of this harvesting work that God is calling us to. And then in that last lovely stage of relaxation, contemplatio, you can do the really, really easy Latin in some, some cases, just add an end to the word. But um, I relaxed in the truth that the hard labor of bringing people to faith has already been done. The, the miracle of conversion is not our work. It is not my work. God in heaven, what a relief that is to me. The labor of harvesting is ultimately one of collection. Collection of the miracle of growth that's already been done by the sower and by the light and the water and the miracles that are present in the grace of Christ. And that, that the first step, for me anyway, is to look around. <laughs> Just to become aware of the work that God is doing around me. And to be willing and brave enough sometimes to, to step in and be part of that work in, in the lives of people around me. 
So that was my personal experience with the text. It, it sort of flowed. It went around and back and forth, but I landed on something personally. I can't promise that that happened for you this morning. I can't promise that it'll happen for you the next time or any particular time that you do this, but it does happen sometimes. <laughs> and even when it doesn't happen, I think this is a worthwhile exercise. This is called Lexio Divina, by the way. Sacred reading is the translation. Um, I, I, know that, I know that some of you already knew that. As I said, I like to do this a few times a year. Um, it's been a joy for me to be in the book of John these past several weeks. And I knew when we did this little section of John that I wanted to do Lexio Divina on one of the weeks. And this was the last one, and so we did it. <laughs> um, my hope and prayer is that, that it was a good experience for you and that it's something that you can try um, at home. Now, as we come to communion, speaking of spiritual food, you remember that at the beginning of our time in the Word this morning, I asked you to answer the question, how are you spiritually hungry? And you wrote that down either on a piece of paper or in your mind. What I would like you to do as you come to communion is to bring that with you. If you brought a piece of paper, go ahead and bring it with you if you wrote it down. If you didn't, I'd like you to imagine carrying that spiritual hunger with you and trading it for the spiritual food that is offered to you at the table of the Lord. This meal, the body and blood of Christ, is food for your souls. I'd like to encourage you to receive it as such this morning as you remember his sacrifice in breaking the bread, his body, dipping it in the cup, his blood. You memorialize and you proclaim his death until he returns. And as you receive it into your body, you receive his grace. And it is food for your souls. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word that we can receive and trust in as we watch for the morning, as we wait for you. Lord, some of us are spiritually hungry this morning, and it is my deepest prayer that, that those who are will have received some spiritual nourishment from this time that we've spent in your word, and that they will receive more as they come to your table, Lord Jesus. May it be for us your body and your blood, broken, shed, for us, for the forgiveness of sins. May we receive your grace like warm sunlight on our face after a night spent in darkness. May you be present to us as we continue to worship in all these things and as we leave this place, sent forth by your Spirit to be the hands and feet of Christ, the body of Christ, the church in our world. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.